Hello and welcome to a slightly different style of Save Station Radio. That's right, this is a sequel to the last one, but like, just just barely, like we're changing a little bit of things here and there. Oh wait, I'm talking about the game again, I'm sorry. This is the podcast. This one is canon with the next one, I can tell you that for sure. Uh, I have your host Dustin, and with me is my co-host Cotter. Hello there. And of course we are talking about Spyro, A Hero's Tale. Released for the PS2 and Xbox on November 2nd, 2004, and for the GameCube on November 12th, 2004, uh, admittedly, before we started, there was some uh, confusion about the release dates. So if, if you have conflicting information, we're not sure. It might have been released on November 9th. Wikipedia says one thing. Uh, the Spyro Wiki says another. I don't know. If you worked at a GameStop during that time and could get us the correct information, <laughs> hit us up. <laughs> yep, I, I checked multiple sources and november 2nd or 3rd seems like the most consistent date so i'm going with that uh developed by eurocom uh one of those developers that's kind of kind of done everything huh yeah what an interesting list of games i think most people probably know them for like their 007 games that weren't goldeneye yeah so nightfire and mainly like the gamecube ones yeah, I think they also did like the bad 361 too. So you know they, they've been they've been doing stuff for a while. This is not their first platformer though. They they did one of I can't remember which one of the PS2 Crash Bandicoot games. Um, I might be getting that wrong. I think Twin Sanity. That sounds correct. Um, and then they also did some like standalone projects that they weren't contracted for, like Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy. And, like, Crash Bash as well. So, they've been around. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but you you looked into some of the development for this game for us this episode. So, why don't you take it away? Yeah, so... Some, I, some information. <laughs> some information. Yeah, not much is known about the development of this game. Obviously, Eurocom's been around a while and they've done a lot of things. But uh, this one, there's just not a lot of development history documented anywhere. Um, I did find some things. So... Thanks to a user on redump.org, just known as User7 for all I could see, they found a CD, a compact disc, in Australia, or it was just an Australian CD, and it had a bunch of design documents and assets on the CD for this game. Uh, So they dumped that online, and thanks to that, we actually have some design documents from around July 2004. Very cool. Yeah, so uh, big ups to, I guess, User7. Shoutouts to User7. They dumped a bunch of other stuff on that site, too. So, Um, And I'll put a link to that. And then there's also a picture of the CD, which is just a generic-looking CD with Spyro assets written on it in Sharpie. And I'll also link uh, PDF documents where you can see all of the design documents. Uh, I scrolled through them. I didn't read everything on them because that started to get boring, but... Uh, Some of the notable things I found was the game was originally titled Spyro the Dark Realms, uh, and they have a whole logo for that as well. It's unclear when the title changed to A Hero's Tale, because the the design documents are all dated, but some of them that are dated the same day, like one one document will have the Dark Realms and the other one will have A Hero's Tale. So I'm not sure when it changed, but somewhere in there it changed. Interesting. Some other notable things, all the documents for each of the areas, that's how they're split up for each of the levels, uh, they have their references listed, 
So, you know, things they were inspired by or things they wanted it to look similar to. Uh, these ranged from movies such as like Indiana Jones and Star Wars uh, to other games like Ratchet and Clank and Jack and Daxter are cited, as well as past Spyro games, mainly Spyro 3. In document Realm 4D, which is for the Dark Mind level, it said it cites Star Wars Episode 2 Factory and Foundry, parentheses, where CPO, C-3PO gets seriously messed up, is the full <laughs> uh, description there. <laughs> okay. Uh, just I love seeing that where you see that yeah this might be a business document but they're still having fun with it oh for sure and then the other noticeable thing was the boss in Neptune was originally just called the Merqueen on in these documents uh, the name was probably changed later interesting yeah um not not a ton here uh, to go off of yeah if you want to look through the design documents again I'll link them down below but um yeah, that's about all the information I could find on this game, so. So then let's move on. It, it, uh, as I not so subtly alluded to up at the top of the episode, uh, A Hero's Tale is kind of a soft reboot of Spyro. It's weird, like, some characters reference things from the other games and are pretty similar, and then some are completely different <laughs> for some reason. Narrative-wise, uh, gameplay-wise, it's it's pretty separate. But, like, there, there are things like the Professor, who seems to be, you know, comes from those old games, is the same design. Um, but then there's stuff like Moneybags, who's a completely different character. <laughs> and, uh, you know, spoilers for the first couple minutes, but Nasty Nork... <laughs> big shrug on that one lots of just weird little changes but also still references back so it's it's kind of like if you're into it for the the lore it's, it's kind of nonsensical yeah which is interesting because it is something that we've cited in previous episodes that the world building was interesting uh but that sort of fell off with uh three and enter the dragonfly so i'm not too like upset that this doesn't follow the plot or characterizations too much but um it is interesting to see yeah, um, so this game plays out a lot more like... I, I I have always seen it compared to, and I kind of agree, uh, the first Jack and Daxter, where it's not so much little hub-like levels that you're exploring and then getting out of quickly. It's more that you have giant areas to run and explore around in um, that kind of connect to one another. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's a much different structure. It also kind of has very simple puzzles um that you go through as well uh to set it apart so so structurally it's also quite different yeah there i mentioned that there is still levels so to say but there is but they're not really levels it's mainly like you have four distinct hub worlds that then branch off into other hub world feeling areas so there's like three hub worlds stitched together for each of the zones yep and, and then to quickly the premise of this game it's it's somehow even simpler than i think the, the ps1 games is maybe not that one but you have uh an evil dragon his name is red who was once one of the elder dragons uh decides 
I don't know. I guess I don't really know what his plan is. They don't really tell you up front, but he's just gonna he's just gonna start some Spyro. And so him and his he teams up with Nasty and him and the Norks plant dark gems which corrupt the land uh, all over the place. And you as Spyro have to go on an adventure to to destroy the dark gems and defeat Red. Yeah, like Red was banished by the Elder Dragons for being evil. I guess I don't. It wasn't really clear what he did before that. But then I guess he's just upset for being banished, so now he's doing more evil stuff. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really like give you a reason other than bad guy doing bad things. <laughs> like, okay, sure. Yeah, not that it needs a complicated plot, but there you yeah. go. Yeah, well, let's let's uh, let's transition to that then and give our thoughts on that um, on the game as a whole. So, what do you want to start us off? Oh, you want me to start it off? All right, um, I. I'm not a big fan of this game. <laughs> I found it to be and I was trying I was trying really hard to figure out why because it has all of the elements that I should like in a game like this, but it's something about just the structure that doesn't really feel as direct as its predecessors. Like even Enter the Dragonfly, I felt like I had more fun with its level design than this game. Which is strange because this game, I feel like, is put together better. It's just I didn't have as much fun with it. Um, and I think it boils down to it being these, like, open levels where they seem kind of aimless. Where, like, you know, you have a big thing and there's a bunch of things to collect. And you're like, okay, I guess just kind of run around there. As opposed to the previous games where you'd go in a level and be like, okay, here's what's in this level, go this way. And then the joy of the previous Spyro games was you're going one direction, but you can sort of veer around and look around as you go. Uh, this just feels like, it feels like the end of a Spyro level where you get to the end of the level and you can see like the whole thing and you can kind of explore it any in any direction it feels like that but for the entire level rather than just the end of it yeah i mean i largely agree with you i think this game is to me it is exceedingly mediocre like i find it incredibly boring unfortunately i i don't think it has a lot of fun surprises for you to find um it's not like the other Spyro games to me where, like, you know, around every quarter, even if it's just, like, a silly little enemy doing a silly little unique animation, you know, they were they were fun to explore and discover things. And this just doesn't have that. For as big as these levels are, I just find them dull and tedious a lot of the time. I disagree cause I, with your assertion that, like, these feel like the end of Spyro levels. Because I feel like the end of Spyro levels are still fun. It's still like you have the entire world to go run around and check and check corners you haven't found yet. Whereas this, to me, like, if I messed up and needed to backtrack or whatever, it it was, it, like, I, I, like, would physically groan. Like, it just wasn't an enjoyable experience, necessarily. Not a bad experience, but not a great one, either. I think this game's going to be really hard to talk about, because it's, it's an example of a game that's, like, works. It works super well. It does what it's trying to do. Um, unlike the last game, it's not broken in any way. It's you know, undoubtedly better. But it's also not, like, great at anything, you know? It, like, never excels at any category. And to be quite frank, this is a weird thing, but, like, honestly, if you asked me right now, would you rather play this game again or Into the Dragonfly? I would play Into the Dragonfly. Which yeah, is, like, I a crazy feel the same thing way, to say. But, yeah, I mean, 
yeah, totally, because, like, this game's just boring. Like, yeah, it works, but it doesn't succeed at anything. <laughs> Honestly, I can't think of a single thing where I'm like, this is better or equal to the last games. And it just kind of makes the whole experience feel very samey and, and not that interesting. Yeah, and we were talking about the level design, and that's like a big part of the my issues with this game. The other issues are with Spyro's controls. On the ground, he controls all right, except when you want to turn around, he does a weird circle arc. Think about like when you're trying to turn around in Mario 64 and he does an arc around rather than just turning around. Um, which can lead you to like slipping off edges sometimes, which is pretty annoying. That's minor compared to what I think is the biggest like detriment this thing this game has against it is that it gives Spyro a double jump, something yep. I praised <laughs> Spyro two and three for not doing. Instead, this double jump essentially replaces the hover, so there's no like, okay, I'm barely gonna get there, and then I'll use the hover to get up there. It's just you're going and then you're like, okay, I'm just not going to make it. <laughs> and the double jump is also mapped to the same button as the glide, which is extremely frustrating and takes away a lot of the fun of Spyro's moveset because in the originals in two and three and into the dragonfly, you would jump and then you would glide. And then when you use the hover, the hover was a different button. So, you know, you'd jump and glide and then you'd hover and you'd make it or you wouldn't make it. Uh, this one, they're all mapped to the same button. Uh, I played the GameCube version. Dustin, I believe you played the GameCube version as well. Yep. It's just all mapped to the A button. So, you know, some of the joys with a double jump in a lot of games that have them is being able to time that second jump to get either more height if you time it quicker or time it later to get more distance out of a double jump. This game doesn't really like you doing that, because if you do it too late, then you'll glide instead of double jumping, or if you hold the button too long, you'll glide instead of double jumping. And it's just really, like, it's so minorly annoying that when you deal with it for the entire 10-15 to 15 hour game, it gets really annoying. <laughs> yeah, um, I got two things to add to that. Um, this game brings back the head bash. You know, you you jump and you do that basically Spyro's version of a butt stomp, which is fine. But if you're doing it out of a glide, he just goes into charge mode. <laughs> so I have found myself falling into pits because of that. And then the other thing, I just want to talk about like the... I think this game, you know, getting rid of the old way of hovering is kind of its biggest sin to me. Because as we talked about with Spyro 2 and 3, the hover mechanic is so rewarding in those games. It's so much fun because... It's it, it's like danger. It introduces an element of danger to the platforming that even though these games are still easy, it, it doesn't matter. It gives you that sense of like, oh, I barely made that because I was able to hover at the last minute. And this game getting rid of it makes it feel way more generic. And like the double jump, it, it, you know, you're just inputting the actions beforehand. It feels like you know every time you're going to make a, a jump pretty much. And it just, it just, you know, it contributes to the feeling of dullness this whole game has where nothing ever feels super dangerous or rewarding because they stripped out those mechanics and replaced them with you know maybe at the end of the day comparable mechanics but they don't feel the same yeah and i would like to add to that as well because um it's not just specifically the hover because spiral one did not have the hover 
And Spyro 1, I still feel like works because it had the flight cancel where you could stop gliding. Uh, This game has that by just letting go of the button, but it really does not feel good. Um, No. Like, it feels like you're just kind of, you just kind of stop hovering rather than canceling a hover, if that makes any sense. But, you know, you say that, like, it makes the platforming less interesting, but this still managed to be, like, one of the more difficult games in the series. It just became a part where, like, they put a lot more tricky jumps in front of you, but then when you fail them, it feels like the controls have failed you rather than you failing the jump. Whereas if this was in, say, Spyro 2 or 3, it would feel like, okay, I didn't time my button presses right, so I should try that again, rather than, okay, the game just didn't want me to do that. Yeah, 100%. It also, all that note of challenge and, like, maybe unfair challenge, this game... This gave a knockback, man. I don't know if you experienced like oh my you gosh, can just yeah. get hit over and over again. It takes so much damage. Yeah, it's wild how many enemies in this game can stun lock you. Yeah, like, it's there was pretty many brutal. times where that happened. Yeah, uh, it doesn't feel great, and then just all the the area feel like I think the basic movements they also kind of mess up the charge, or the charge feels really nerfed to me. Um, even though it functions the same, it just like. It doesn't carry the same weight or speed at its feel. Um, it feels like Spyro's kind of leisurely prouncing to me, you know? Like, he's not really... It doesn't feel like there's a sense of urgency behind it, even though it is faster. Yeah, I just feel like it, it, it just contributes to this feeling of, like... Yeah, these mechanics work for the most part, but they're not as interesting. And, and yeah, every once in a while, they will screw you over. Um, I, I will give this game credit out of the way. It doesn't have a live system. So Yeah, that was very appreciated. Yeah, definitely. That would have been that would have made this game that was kind of mediocre into a really frustrating experience. So I'm glad that that's not there. It does mean that there's no real penalty for dying other than being teleported back to your checkpoint. So in certain boss fights when there were checkpoints and I was running low on health, I would just intentionally kill myself to give myself more health for the next phase. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, is not something that a game developer likes to have, but I did not mind ha- being able to do that. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't mind an easy game. I don't think that that's, that's not the issue here. Like, you could still have an easy game with great control, you know? <laughs> I don't, I yeah, think look that, at the like, previous Spyro games. <laughs> yeah, and like, you know, I, I have said on here before, I don't like lives. I would be happy if video games just didn't have them. <laughs> Um, I think they introduce unnecessary frustration into the experience, easy or not. You know, it's either you have a billion lives by the end of the game, but they don't really matter anyway, or you're constantly losing them and having to lose progress because you had to restart levels or whatever. So, whatever. I I, I, I think not having lives here is a plus, but it, it doesn't change the fact that, like, this game's controls aren't great. <laughs> and, like, it just makes it mildly more doable which is fine but yeah i'm not a huge fan of it the other thing they did that i think kind of nerfs the the exploration honestly is they changed the way gems work they are now no longer a collectible so much as they are a currency uh which means that you are it's reason they respawn it means that you find them all over the place they don't feel special when you pick them up now you take them to money bags a shop because now he has a shop he's not just an obstacle in your way and you can purchase upgrades for Spyro and like extra health and extra ammo and it's it's fine but it doesn't have that same feeling of like urgency that money bags in the past games gave you where it, 
even if it was never really an issue, you always felt like you should be going out of your way to collect the gems because who knows, what if you ran into money bags and he you didn't have the money for him? You wanted to always be stocked up. And this game doesn't really give you that vibe, I think, with the with the gyms, which I think is a failure. Yeah, and even if... Because we mentioned before when we were talking about, you know, games that had money bags in them, uh, it would sort of give you an incentive that uh, you didn't know when he would show up, so you're wanting to collect all the gems you can. I think a big driving force of that for me was seeing how many gems are in the level and just knowing that I could go for that. Like, it's knowing that there's an end to it and that every time you pick up a gem, you're moving closer to a goal. And that was enough motivation for me to collect the gems. Um, It meant that I didn't need as many gems as I had for the certain locks, but uh, it felt good to collect them. This, it's like, okay, if I don't, break this chest or go over here and find this secret i can just find it like later on or i could just kill an enemy that i've already killed because it'll still drop gems like it's not really an issue yeah it makes that collectible almost meaningless especially towards the end of the game when you just have so much money you have all the permanent upgrades and you don't really need it anymore um it 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 did a thing where like this game has chests which can contain some of the major collectibles, or every once in a while, it could contain more gems. And every time I got gems from those chests, it was annoying. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, oh, really? Yeah, I was like, this is useless to me, and now I have to go buy another key, because you have to buy keys from money bags to open chests. Yeah, I think and they're technically so, lockpicks, but it yeah. was super annoying when you'd use a lockpick to open a chest, and then it would give you less money than it would cost to buy a new lockpick. Yeah, which again, doesn't really matter, but it takes the... It just, it takes that, like, fun little collectible dopamine hit out of your brain when you're like, oh, that was disappointing. I don't, who cares? Uh, even worse is with this chest would give you ammo, by the way. Which, ammo, this game kind of works like with the old games when you pick up a rock in your mouth and you could shoot it, except it's way worse and, like, almost useless. Yeah, um, I never found a use for it. I would try and use no. them, but I would just always miss and then run out of ammo and be like, okay, that was pointless. Yep, I I also never found a use for them this playthrough. Um, it kind of they just kind of arc in a weird, unnatural way, and so it's like hard to hit enemies with it. They don't really break open chests, as far as I could tell. So it just seems like, why is this here? Um, and you get them. Okay, we should probably explain. Uh, and, and I will compliment this game again. It does address one of my complaints with Enter the Dragonfly, in that it gives you breaths again. They've introduced that mechanic again, but now it does actually involve them in the puzzle solving. Uh, which is nice. Granted, I don't think they there's so many there's not that many interesting puzzles, but but it's there. And for each breath, you get separate ammo that you can shoot out in a first person view, and none of those ammos were good. <laughs> yeah, useful. I would honestly think this would be a pretty simple fix, though, because whenever I wanted to use the ammo, I wanted to do it to use. I wanted to use it to hit an enemy that was too far away. Um. But that's not really how it works because the arc doesn't actually go that far. So if they just changed it to where the ammo shot directly straight and just didn't like have a limit, then that would be a lot better uh, because then you would be incentivized to use it to deal with enemies from afar that you wouldn't want to get up close and use your breath on. But that's not how this works, so I just didn't use them. To illustrate this, imagine it like grenades in a first-person shooter, like, you know, Master Chief or Call of Duty Man. 
in that like that kind of arc except if master chief or call of duty man was having a, was like a little depressed and slow that day <laughs> and the arc was just like really pitiful <laughs> like that's what it's like and also you were only dealing with like one dude at most and the explosion radius was not as big as you want it to be <laughs> it's really bad like i I, I genuinely don't know why they're here. You know, I will say the other breaths though. You get uh, you get lightning and and ice returning from into the dragonfly, and then new water. Um, water is pretty useless. <laughs> like there's some water wheels you activate, but yeah, that's it's not really more useful than the bubble from Enter the Dragonfly. But it's still about as situational. <laughs> yeah, um, the lightning is. You know, the lightning one you you can activate switches with it, and uh, certain enemies. Uh, could only be killed with it, so that's that's nice. I think that addresses one of my complaints, and then the ice one um, acts similarly. There, there's a move in this game. Um, it's like a pull spin thing. I'm not sure what it's officially called. It's um, it's where like Spyro can grab a pole and swing around. You can grab another one. Think like I don't know the poles in Sonic Adventure Two or Psychonauts, stuff like that. And there are some that are just like water geysers that you can freeze, which is kind of neat. Like that's that's a not a bad idea at all. Um, it, it does kind of give the game a light Metroidvania kind of feel, which is not a terrible thing if the world was more interesting to explore. <laughs> yeah, um, if I felt incentivized to go backwards. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I think we've pretty much covered all the breaths and abilities. Are we missing anything? Uh, yeah, I think the breaths are probably the best part of this game, honestly. Um, yeah. When I got into it, specifically like towards the final levels, uh, I found it to be really interesting to see like what was the more, what was the better strategy for taking care of certain enemies. Obviously, there's some enemies that can only be killed like killed with a specific breath, but some enemies you can deal with more efficiently with different breaths or combination of breaths. Um, the big example being the shielded enemies. These have been in previous Spyro games as well. They're the ones where you have to charge and then flame. Uh, I found it really useful to use the ice and then just charge them because then you don't have to d deal with their armor at all. Uh, and it's a lot safer and easier. Uh, same with certain enemies that like will attack you if you just get too close. The ice was useful for that. Uh, the electricity have has a longer range but takes longer to kill so you don't want to use it in like swarms of enemies yeah so they have enough differences that dealing with enemies with the different breaths was engaging enough uh to warrant them they're not just like keys for puzzles they're they can be used elsewhere yeah uh, yeah i think they're they're pretty good and they do again they, they make good on that idea from enter the dragonfly so you know thumbs up to that at least This game introduces other game types, uh, gameplay styles, like like Into the Dragonfly did. And Spyro 3 did. Yeah. Uh, so, including other characters. So, making a return is Sergeant Bird. I, I'm just going to say it up front, is the best one of these. Um, he now replaces Spyro in the flying levels. So, now you fly around with him and complete the objectives. Um, he gets a jetpack and his rocket boosters. So, you know, you're firing rockets the entire time and... With the exception of the second, of his second level, I think they're all pretty fun. It's 
honestly probably the best part of this game full stop in my opinion and that's not saying much trust me yeah i i enjoyed his stages um or his stage rather this was the only one out of these five that i didn't 100 percent complete uh because i just got too bored with it so whenever a side character showed up and it was optional i'm like okay cool i'm just not gonna do this but i did i did one of his stages and i did both variations of it and yeah it's it's a lot of fun it gives you a little bit more control of your speed than the spyro stages did in previous games um but you still have to like find a good path between objectives and deal with enemies and uh yeah i had a good time with those yeah they're 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 pretty all right uh the second stage i will say it's just so big that enemies get called out in the distance so like oh that's annoying there are flying birds and the stage is really massive so if you're just missing one flying bird it it can be a, a headache um but but the other his other levels are, are pretty good the next we have the worst character <laughs> it was blake the mole you a newcomer characterize this as agent nine style levels and as much as i complained about agent nine on the ps1 blink is worse <laughs> like oh for sure yeah it's like a similar gameplay style to agent nine which is this like third person shooter slash platformer um you're kind of exploring and shooting things imagine if you're playing an agent nine stage except it was like twice as slow <laughs> and oh uh the levels were not as interesting <laughs> Yeah, and to shoot, you have to go in first person, stop, and also there's a lot of platforming, and yeah, it's it's incredibly stiff. Yeah, the, these are the levels that I was like, for sure, I'm avoiding these. <laughs> like, if I can, I did the first one, and then I was short on gems, so I had to do the second one, but after that, I was like, no more. <laughs> no yeah, more. I was short on gems when the second one came around, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to find those gems elsewhere. <laughs> and to be clear, we were talking about the main collectible, light gems, not the ordinary gyms which they ruined <laughs> yeah, yeah um yeah blinks's levels just aren't fun they're like they're really frustrating um any little thing can knock you down and the jumping is incredibly slow which makes like even simple jumps harder than they should be yeah they're they're incredibly time consuming and, and not they all take place underground so everywhere looks kind of the same too so it could just look be visually kind of boring yep totally um sparks comes back as um as he did in, in uh year of the dragon but now instead of top down levels we get sort of star fox style tunnel shooters these are okay except for the knockback issue comes back here <laughs> and makes them harder than they should be but for the most part they're fine they control fine um side note i hate how they handle sparks in this game as a character <laughs> it really um... annoys me yeah, Sparks' Sparks's voice especially where he does the little like zippy sounds that he did in previous games, except then he also talks normally. <laughs> it's like, what yeah, is going on? Um, you said the Star Fox style stages control okay. Uh, I thought they controlled like awful. <laughs> um, I'm a pretty big Star Fox fan and I have played other games that are not Star Fox that, that are in this same genre. Uh, this is abysmal. <laughs> like... It is so difficult to see where you're shooting because Sparks is so big on your screen. So he actually obscures a lot of the enemies. Um, in comp and then add to that the lack of invincibility frames where if you're hit with a swarm of enemies and you have like four hit points, you're just going to die anyway. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's totally like 
it, it's it's the problems of the rest of the game with with how enemies hit you and stuff but compounded also not helping is that some of the enemies will like blend into the backgrounds you just can't see them oh oh yeah <laughs> that's kind of a problem with blinks as well yes um, then we have hunter who is again another slow third person shooter style character he has his bow and arrow I found him slightly more tolerable than Blake's. I think purely because he's normally outside or at least in brighter conditions. I think one of his levels is outside and the other one's kind of in caves where they're like snowy, bright, lit up caves. Um, so it, it was slightly more tolerable to me. And, and his levels are fine. They're fine. <laughs> um, yeah, and his moveset is more fun because it's a little closer to Spyro's. Like he has a lot of the same moves. But then having that ranged ability and being able to shoot pretty far, like... Um, you could see enemies from pretty far and be able to hit them. Uh, I found his levels to be uh, more enjoyable than I expected. Uh, it still didn't make me do any more than was required, but um, it was it was all right. Yeah, it's not terrible. Uh, that Spyro gets his two unique mini games of his own. He gets these like monkey ball kind of esque levels where you're rolling around to this little ball. Uh, mostly used to transition you. There's one, I think, that's just purely to get more collectibles. But for the most part, these act as transitions between levels. Um, there's only, I think, three of them in the game, so they're not that prevalent. They're they're okay. Oh, really? I only did w- I only did two of them. You have to do two of them. I think the other one's optional. Yes, okay, yeah, I did not find the other one. <laughs> yeah, I think it's in the sky level. Um, yeah, they're fine. And then the last one is a turret seg- uh, sequence. Which also, surprisingly, I find to be fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a turret sequence, but like, it's it's not necessary, but it's not awful. No, it works fine, and I and I honestly think they're okay because they didn't make them like on rails, like we're moving through a thing, and you know you fail it that way. It's more like tower defensey, where you're just defending objects from waves of enemies. So I actually found some enjoyment in them admittedly for as much yeah. as i feel like i've complained about turret segments on this podcast this one was fine yeah and I'll they throw a lot of enemies at you so it always feels like there's something happening there's no dead spot where you're just kind of sitting there yeah and you got a radar too so if you miss an enemy like it tells you exactly where it is so it's never becomes too frustrating so you know it, it's it's acceptable um we kind of covered the collectibles, the dark gems that Nasty Nork and his minions plant all over, those are your like, main like progression blocking uh, collectible. You just smash them with your head bash. You have your light gems, which kind of unlock some of these minigame style things. Um, they unlock, they call them gadgets, but they're more like power-ups. <laughs> well, two of them are power-ups. The other one is the gadget, and it's the monkey ball. Yeah, you unlock the monkey ball, and then like you unlock like the, the supercharge, which is like fine. <laughs> with it and you could break through doors or whatever and then the other one what's the other one? Oh, invincibility so you can swim in like green water like like in three and those are fine you basically only need like 40 of those throughout the whole game i recommend not getting any after that because they require doing the the mini games mostly you can find some by exploring but yeah i feel like if you're just going and fi- collecting the ones as you go uh you should have plenty i ended up with like 55 by the end of the game and yeah you only need 40 to beat the game yeah and the last one is the is dragon eggs making a return these i don't think block any progression at all so they're nope, completely they optional completely optional uh they if 
you know, we're comparing this game to 3 again, which maybe is unfair. I don't know. Actually, this was on the GameCube several years later, so I'm going to say it's not. Uh, they have no joy. You don't get a cute little half-chick animation. It's lame. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, if you collect 10 of the same set, like there's, there's I think, 9 different or 8 different designs... Uh, if you collect 10 of the same design, then you unlock a bonus, and those can be either like a character viewer or concept art, or the two interesting ones where you get to play as different characters, and by that I mean you get a different skin for Spyro. Um, I unlocked one of those, and that was it. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of the eggs. I don't know, is there anything else you want to touch on before we get more a little more specific, a little more spoilery for what, or I don't know, are there spoilers in this game? <laughs> um that is the big question here yeah well we'll talk specifics um the the dark gems being the main like uh progression items i feel like are really strange (laughs) because uh going back to you kind of comparing it to a metroidvania a lot of the way i found them was just by looking at my map which you have a map I was just looking at the map and seeing which areas of the map weren't filled out and just kind of going there and then hoping that a dark gem was there. Otherwise, you just kind of stumble into them. Compare these to like the talismans in two where you're like, okay, I have to go to this level and I know there's a talisman here and then I have to make it to the end of the level and get the talisman and then I can progress. I feel like those were a better way of doing it, even though they were ultimately unnecessary and a lot of people don't like the talismans in two. It's like that, but it's just more frustrating to find them. Uh, And then you can kind of think of the light gems similar to the orbs in 2, where like you need some of them to progress, but you can kind of find them as you go. Um, And those work about the same. So, And then the dragon eggs are just kind of extra that you think you're going to get a light gem, and then you don't, and you get an egg, and you're like, okay, well, that was pointless. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Every minigame, by the way, you have to do it twice. There's an easy version and a hard version. The first version, they always just give you a dragon egg, <laughs> which is like, thanks. Yeah, so if you're wanting gems, you have to do the stage twice because the second one gives you the gem. Yeah, and it's a harder version. Um, Okay, yeah, uh, I'm going to discuss story and specifically tone in, in our spoiler section. Um, if you care, I really there's like no spoilers in this game, so whatever, but we're going to move on to that. Um, oh, do you have any thoughts about the music? Um, It's all right. It's music. I didn't remember any of it. It's nowhere on the level of any of the previous ones, but it's not not bad. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's not Copeland. Obviously. It's not Copeland. It's a lot more melodic than previous Spyro games were. The previous ones were a lot more like percussive, and they use a lot of different percussion instruments, and then a lot of layering. This one feels a little bit more standard, where it's just you know a melody, harmony, percussion, bass, that kind of stuff. So it's it's all right. Yeah, um, and then I will comment and say, I actually like the way the environments look in this game. Not, like, more than the originals by any means, but, like, they have a cartoony, like, ness to them that I could appreciate. Like, everything feels like, looks like it's a little rounded off, you know? Like, I, I can get behind that. I don't love how the characters look, <laughs> to be honest, but, like, the environments themselves, I, I kind of like. Yeah, I feel like they do... I enjoyed looking at it more than I did look at... Uh, enter the dragonfly even though enter the dragonfly was more detailed i felt like that was a little bit to its detriment <laughs> yeah no i agree like there's a 
there's a fun like whimsicalness to them like especially the first area with like the sort of green hills and stuff it, it, it looks it looks nice yeah anyway let's uh let's get a little more specific So, I'm going to start this off, and I want to complain about tone and narrative and all that, um, and that I think it's bad. <laughs> I think, I hate this game's vibe, if I'm honest. I think, like, the idea, the idea here, I think, was to make a more, like, Saturday morning-style cartoon version of Spyro, where characters are a little more, clip, uh, you know, like, quippy and stuff, and I think it comes across poorly to me especially when a lot of the jokes are uh not good <laughs> um thankfully there's not a lot of it because there's just not a lot of story in the game but like i think a lot of the humor just sucks <laughs> and is really frustrating to illustrate this there's literally a joke in this game where Spyro's talking to a mermaid uh and the mermaid's not getting something he's saying he turns to the camera and goes chicks <laughs> you know basically going women <laughs> yeah like, it was really awful um yeah it's it's rough and uh on top of that yeah you mentioned he turns to the camera he breaks the fourth wall a lot in this game and oh, i find it, it to be really every annoying time. every time i'm not a big fan of that to begin with so they've already you know lost me a little bit but like oh man when he's like nasty dork i beat that guy already <laughs> Like, a couple games ago, and I'm like, shut up. I hate you. Yeah, it's like, oh, I know how this... Or, like, oh, Spyro's alive? He... Otherwise, we would have reverted to a last save. It's like, oh, okay, what a way to take away all tension in this moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, like, just the, like... Like, I want to say, like, three or four just straight-up sexist jokes in this game, and I'm like, ugh. Bad. This is um, bad. I also want to talk about the voice acting because this was the first game to replace the voice cast. Yep. And I find some of their performances to just be like annoying, <laughs> specifically Spyro. I feel like his voice kind of doesn't really land on any specific Spyro voice. <laughs> it just kind of feels like they're just reading lines. Yeah, I think it's fine. I, I honestly think, because uh, I agree with you, but personally I feel like I would like it better if they nailed the jokes. Like, I feel like, again, it's that, like, Saturday morning cartoon, like, kind of bratty, like, annoying kid voice. Uh, which, ironically, is something they moved away from with Spyro 1, if you remember. Yep. Which, you know, I don't necessarily hate. I think that can be charming, but I just don't, they don't nail it here. And I understand this is old, but I still think even at the time this was released, I don't think, like, this would have been a funny game. Like... Like, it yeah. just had me rolling my eyes most of the time. Think less of the tone of, like, a Sonic game and more of a tone of, like, a Gex game. I mean, sure. I I, I haven't played Gex, but I, from what I've seen, I think Gex is probably funnier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, genuinely. It's just never, it never got me to smile with any of its jokes. I, I think that that's just, like, the worst thing I could say about it is I was just nonplussed the entire time. 
Um, which is extra frustrating because you can't skip the dialogue in this game. <laughs> oh, really? I guess I never tried that. Yeah, That's you can't. Annoying. You can't fast forward the text speed, and you can't skip the dialogue. Which, when you go through the same dialogue segment twice because you talk to an NPC too many times, then you want to skip it, and it doesn't let you. Or if you're someone like me who reads faster than the voice actor can. I can voice the line, then I want the text to all be there, and it just doesn't. You have to wait for it to slowly fill out. I'm like, oh, that's so annoying. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I just think, like, beyond the simple narrative, it just doesn't have any... There's no moments here where I was like, oh, that's interesting, that's neat. Uh, well, well, you know what, actually, I will give the, the bit where Spyro gets captured and then your hunter... That's kind of all right, I guess. It's a it's little right different. It's concepts, but then Hunter spends a little bit just helping out Bentley, who shows up for no reason. Oh, and then Bentley. it's like, okay, I guess we'll just go. Like, like Spyro's not in any danger, so we might as well just dick around as Hunter for a little bit. Yeah, man, Bentley. Poor Bentley. What a, like, man, what a way to ruin, like, a pretty decent character, too. Where, like, his whole character is just that he's, like, very well spoken with a huge vocabulary and they just make him nothing in this whatever it's fine uh at least the only character i really found any enjoyment with was red like the scenes with red i feel like are either generic villain where he's just killing his own minions for whatever reason or at the end where it's like okay he's kind of an entertaining villain but he's still nowhere on the level of like ripto in two no he feels like a lesser Ripto, in fact. Yeah, I, I think that, like, it's, it's you know, to be clear, I think, aside from the humor, which is what they're going for, so it's kind of most of it, actually, none of it is so bad, but, like, none of it is great. Kind of like the rest of the video game. <laughs> Where, I'm like, yeah, Hunter is fine. He's kind of a sidekick, I guess. Uh, he is more competent as a, as a character. <laughs> he doesn't, like hill back like your species from you to do chores so there's yeah, that to challenge you to skateboard mini games but but he's less fun which is unfortunate uh, i will say i guess sergeant bird is the only character that feels like his past self that's true Truly. but i didn't really like him in three either so oh you didn't oh i love sergeant bird yeah i don't know the sort of like just military gruffness and like eh, i don't super care for it's like he's james bond yeah <laughs> yeah cool uh, i mean i i think he's cute but yeah um so i i thought he was fine but like other than that i uh whatever <laughs> and then in neptune the third boss has like no character she just kind of shows up and then does nothing and then you kill her yep um how about those boss battles they're not great either huh <laughs> they're just yeah. kind of there I mean, boss battles in Spyro games have been pretty hit or miss for most of it. You know, one didn't really have boss fights. Two's boss fights were kind of a mess. Three, I felt like they na they kind of got there. Four, we don't talk about because there's just one and it's bad. And then this one, yeah, they're back to the same boring wait until they open, get leave their opening, and then you just dodge or just walk around until they <laughs> open up again. Yeah. Um, I think the 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 first battle with Red is particularly annoying, where you have to push the the dynamite boxes with the water breath on him. It feels like a thing where they went, we barely have any great uses for the water breath. Uh, let's just put it here, and it doesn't work sometimes. 
which was adoring. Yeah. I felt like the most engaging boss fight, and it may be just because it didn't have checkpoints like the other three, was the final boss against Mecha Red. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's... It, it feels, you know... It was still boring, but there. it was like... <laughs> yeah. You know, the big scale is fun, and... it it Yeah, but like, it's... It's fine. Um, I think the best this game ever gets is kind of that last, the last sort of realm area where it is just kind of a linear platforming gauntlet. Honestly, I feel like when it drops the veneer of exploration, <laughs> it becomes a little better to me, which is really sad talking about a Spyro game. Like, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of positive things to say, I guess, is what I'm learning throughout this yeah, well I... this game fails to make exp- exploration something you want to do like it feels more like tiring and not as rewarding to explore which is the main thing in a spyro game and instead decides to focus on its combat and platforming which is not an inherently bad thing but then when its level design is still trying to be open more open than the previous ones and wants you to explore but doesn't properly incentivize you, then it feels boring. Because I feel the same way. When you get to that final uh, hub world and it is a little bit more linear and the platforming gets a little bit more difficult, that's when I was like, okay, I could see where this works because you're focused, the gameplay is more focused on the platforming, even though they kind of broke it from previous games. It's like, that's kind of the more fleshed out thing. And I have a clear direction, so go that way. <laughs> Which doesn't excuse some annoying parts like the like gauntlet of moving platforms towards the end, like above the lava, where it's just these like really slow moving floating rocks and it sucks. <laughs> it's just so boring. You say that when there's like three of those moments in the last level. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's just a bunch of little things like that that pepper out throughout that don't make it enjoyable. Um I do want to comment on because I, I just mentioned it. These levels are big. We say they're, you know, meant to encourage exploration, but, like, I think that's kind of false. <laughs> like, I think the game is trying to trick you into thinking it's an exploration game, when really it's just a bunch of linear tunnels. <laughs> and, um, you know, some of the old Spyro levels were kind of that. But, like, here I think it's just so much more egregious, where there's there's really not that many open areas where you can get to the top and be like, Okay, now that I'm up here, I can see where I could go there instead and do this and that. Like, it, it's all very linear, honestly. Yeah, it's like... Beginning. I get what you mean there, where um, it's not really open, but it, it, it feels open because it's so aimless. It's like a bunch of just spaghetti. Like, there are a bunch of straight lines, but it does kind of just make a blob. Yeah, it's... um, But, you know... Again, not saying anything bad about linear games, like, but I think in this context, it feels like they want to represent it as something open when it's actually not, and that that kind of annoys me. One of the more frustrating things that occurred to, uh, to me throughout my playthrough was the collision detection, and I probably mm-hmm. could have mentioned this earlier, but the the collision detection in this game is abysmal, specifically for the. Uh, swinging poles and the ledge grab. The swinging poles, I I hate. <laughs> the swinging poles collision is so tiny, so if you just barely miss it, then you don't grab the pole, and it's so frustrating when you're trying to start 
or if you have to glide midway through, it just does not want to cooperate. Well, and it would be fine if they were set up like at your jump height. <laughs> which Yeah, but they're like just are, below. <laughs> but yeah, they're just either like, you know, just below or way below. And it's like you have to like time it and like it doesn't feel good. Yeah, I spent 30 minutes on like one section because I just could not land the first jump and I had to swim all the way back around and then try and jump and I couldn't connect to it. And then later on it requires you to glide through. And I was like, okay, this is awful. And then the ledge crab just decides to work whenever it wants to. Like I would not, it's there, but I would not rely on it. I mean, I think the fact that this game has a ledge crab is like the fact that they thought we need a ledge grab in the Spyro game because we took out the hover mechanic sucks so bad. Yeah. It's just such a shame. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's Spyro a Hero's Tale, I think. <laughs> Sorry, we're yeah, kind of all over the place there, but so is the game. <laughs> yeah, it's shorter than the rest of them, but, you know, you get how things work by this point. Um, kind of a downer note to end this <laughs> the this era of Spyro on. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, when we were talking about doing the first couple Spyro games, it was always like we were going to do Enter the Dragonfly because it's still carries on from that gameplay style this one is a weird like it's a weird bridge in between the old games and the well old games now but the sort of newer games where they they make spyro into a character action game the <laughs> um, legend games uh yep which i'm sure we will talk about eventually <laughs> so yeah it's just a weird awkward game um so we decided just to finish it up here yeah it is a weird like like we end on this mediocre place <laughs> it's it's a shame but hey if you made it through all of these episodes uh how would you how would you rank these five games yeah let us know it's uh, <laughs> uh spoilers i think everybody's is gonna be into the dragonfly a hero's tale then the trilogy <laughs> and that could be in <laughs> the order fair how would you rank them though oh man we talked about this where like it changes for me the trilogy is so hard for me um the first two are solid where they are. Um, oh, I would... Oh God, it changes for me all the time. Like I said, those episodes, if I was recommending one of them, I'd probably start with one because it's just consistently great. But I think... Yeah, I think I would go Into the Dragonfly, A Hero's Tale, uh, Spyro the Dragon, Year of the Dragon, Ripto's Rage, and then if you ask me tomorrow, those three will be swapped <laughs> <laughs> fair enough um mine's gonna be ah uh, see this is actually tough because i don't i don't know i've i kind of want to put enter the dragonfly above it <laughs> i mean i would if the question was which one of these would you rather play right now it would be spiral one for without a doubt but <laughs> oh i mean of these two though <laughs> it would be this game of into the dragonfly and this one it would be into the dragonfly for sure <laughs> Yeah, I'm still going to say Hero's Tale, Enter the Dragonfly, which is, I know, crazy. Um, and then Year of the Dragon, Ripto's Rage, and Spiral 1. <laughs> like, nothing in these games has topped Spiral 1 for me yet. Fair enough. 
yeah um i you know i'm sure we'll come back with the legend games um i i hope this is the end of spyro uh you know who knows um i don't think anything in the near future though unfortunately but nothing yeah. that i'd pay activision money for yeah we are recording this at a time where activision blizzard not a great place <laughs> um yes if you're listening to this years of the future um they're not good hopefully hopefully things have improved <laughs> Yeah, we can only hope. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, A Hero's Tale, it's fine. It is a mediocre video game. But do you want to... Th- uh, you, you already mentioned the design docs and stuff you found. Those will be linked in the description. I only included one recommended viewing here. Um, this is going to be... Uh, we've recommended these videos before. Uh, Square A Jacks, like every Spyro level, level ranked. It's a fun watch if you want to... You know, just enjoy it and listen to a bunch of commentary about a bunch of different Spyro levels. He includes everything, so that includes, like, the Legend of games and, like, the GBA games and stuff like that. So, you know, it's a real long video. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Definitely a fun time if you want to, like, a two-hour-long video to, to waste some time, too. If you also want to waste some time with some more Spyro, we have the previous four episodes, if you haven't listened to them. Yep. Uh, covered... I mean, you you probably guess we covered the trilogy and then entered the Dragonfly. Um, there's also our original four Crash Bandicoot episodes. Uh, those were a lot of fun to record, so uh, check it out. You can find all of that on this podcast feed, or if you go to at SaveStationPod, that's the Twitter account for it. Um, there we'll keep you up to date on all kinds of stuff, what episode's coming up, when it comes out. You can follow us there. Definitely tell us your Spyro rankings. Um and just if you want to chat about anything, you can always message us there. Yep. Um, and uh, Cotter, where can the people find you personally on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Conifer SSR. Um, I also run the Save Station Pod Twitter, but um, I try to do I do most of my stuff on at Conifer SSR. Uh, where can they find you, Dustin? You can find me at Dustin H Dragon on Twitter. Um, or depending on the day, I might tweet like nine times or none at all. I don't know. <laughs> so next up in the feed, um, I think, I think this will be the order unless we decide to change it. Um, you should be seeing, I, we're doing a sort of mini review for, for Final Fantasy VII Yuffie. Um, that, that sort of DLC chapter. Um, I say mini, we haven't recorded it yet. We kind of, we, we've been known to ramble, <laughs> so we'll see. Um. But yeah, I'm expecting that to not be super long. And then after that, we will be doing the Axiom Verge games. So Axiom Verge 1 and 2. Uh, So stay tuned for those. And thank you for listening. Please remember to always be good to each other. Yeah, and take care. Bye. Bye.